it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 603 for July 12th, 2019. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchot. back with Programming Myself. I believe we're on installment 81 of X, Bart. We are indeed on my end. Um, <laughs> very small number, though, compared to your 600 and whatever you just said. And this may or may not be 603. It's always a mystery to me every single week. <laughs> I'm almost positive next week's will also be called 603. Yeah, whatever. I've already Numbers, recorded. they don't have to be sequential. Oh, wait, yes, they do. Yeah, no one, be fine. No one has ever noticed, by the way. Not once, not ever. In 14 years, nobody's ever gone, hey, you did 603 twice. <laughs> hey, the only way we know is the next week you come on and you apologize and go, oh, really? Oh. <laughs> All right. What are we going to do this week? We are going to continue our exploration of promises. So where we left our story was that we learned the first time the basic concept of what a promise is as a way of representing the status and output of an asynchronous task. Um, and then the next time we learned how to chain multiple promises together so that when the output of one promise needs to be the input to another, so the output of one asynchronous task has to be the input to another asynchronous task, you need to chain them into series. And we learned how to do that with promise chains using dot then and its close cousin dot catch if we want to, although really dot then is fine. Um, but this time we're going we're gonna to go a little further uh, because there are some utilities we get for free. Uh, from JavaScript because it has a class called Promise with a capital P. Oh. Um, Promise's main job in life is to create promises, but we're not we're not going there because that's that's not the kind of thing that end user developers do a lot. We tend to use promises given to us by the various APIs we use, like say jQuery's $.ajax function. It you know it, oh. it creates the promise and we use the promise. So we're interested in using promises for now. But the promise class has some utilities that are for using promises instead of for making promises. Um, and we, we definitely want to look at those because they're going to allow easier. us to have our proverbial cake and eat it. Um, so we started off by learning that by default, promises happen in parallel. So the, there's no, you know, they just, you, you start three promises, they're all happening at the same time and they'll finish when they finish. And if we want one to feed into the other, then we've had to chain them one after the other after the other. But in the real world, you sometimes want three or four things to happen at the same time. And then when all of those have finished, do some fifth thing, and then maybe some other things can happen in parallel again. So in the real world, you tend to have parallel stuff, and then you want to collapse it in to do one or two things, and then maybe there's more parallelism to come afterwards. And we don't know how to do that yet. Is that okay. a fair statement? Yeah. So we can have it one way or we can have it the other, but we need to have it both. And that's where we need the help of the promise class with a capital P. And of course, before all that, we do need to take a brief little visit to homework land. Okay. Um, because I, I did set a challenge last time. And to be honest, the main purpose of the challenge from last time was to set us up so that I, we could do something fun for our homework this time. Well, uh, I do want so, to tell the audience, I've, I've told Bart this, but uh, I spent... Uh, literally hours rereading everything about mustaches all of 79 and 80 some of those twice and then about two hours getting ajax or getting the the promise thing to work and about four and a half hours getting a mustache to work perhaps a large <laughs> amount of time and perhaps insignificant or not insignificant amount of camarere uh, or cam carmenere and uh, gnts Oh, well, and there was... Eclipses. Yeah, well, and... <laughs> okay, those things happen in between. I was down in Chile watching an, ex an eclipse. But uh, but no, that was all this week. I haven't gotten anything done for the podcast, so that's awesome. Yeah, well, the fact that there was a big gap when the programming muscles were, you know... Completely atrophied? I was going to say maybe. resting. <laughs> resting. Resting. We'll go with I mean, that. Yes. So the challenge was to take either your number game or my number game... Um, and tweak it a bit so that two things were true. Um, the, the first was just to make sure it used some mustache templates, which is basically laying the groundwork for your challenge next time. And then the bit that was relevant to what we have been learning so far is for the first time I asked you to make a promise. 
Um, so I wanted you to change your code so that instead of using the success and error callbacks to $.ajax, we use the fact that $.ajax returns a promise. And we tweaked our game so that we got a promise of a random number rather than using those uh, callbacks. Yeah. Can I, can I ask you the question that I asked? Um, it, we, we've we mentioned quite a few times we have a Slack channel. Uh, mm-hmm. We have a Slack site, or a Slack, I should call it, uh, at podfeed.com slash Slack. And mm-hmm. in there, there's a channel for PBS. So a lot of great discussions happen over there. If you haven't been doing if you're not uh, joined up yet, you really should because you can ask questions in there, all kinds of smart people. And one of the things I got tangled on in looking at promises was what is the difference between a resolved and yet failed promise, well, how is that different from a rejected promise? What would be an example in, like, in your your weather city thing that you did? What would what would be an example of how would it fail but not be rejected versus rejected? Right. So, dollar dot ajax will only reject if something goes wrong. At, so, okay. So, what does dollar dot ajax do? It makes an HTTP request on your behalf. So it will only reject if the HTTP goes wrong. So, so if $.ajax only cares... Down and I was asking it to do something, that would be a rejection. Right. So if I gave $.ajax a URL and the web server responded with 404, that's a reject. Right. The, okay. HTML, the, sorry, the HTTP request did not succeed. The server didn't come back with a 200 okay it came back with anything that's not a 200 okay if it never even got to talk to the server because your wi-fi is broken or because the website in the url doesn't even exist so there is no server yeah all of those things were basically if you went to your browser tried to go to the same url and it came up with an error that would be a reject okay okay but other kinds of failures could be then uh, the the succeed and yet still fail or no resolve but failed would be yeah. um, my city that came up uh, it found the city but then when it tried to find it in the weather database that city wasn't there. Yes, exactly. So okay, if okay. if you if the server successfully talked back HTTP, then dollar dot ajax considers it a success and it hands you whatever the server said. Okay. You now have the answer from the server, but the answer from the server it could have been successfully delivered, and the server could have successfully said to you, "Sod off." Okay, right. So you must then reject that because you don't really care that it was successful in HTTP. You wanted something, you know, a geolocation or some weather, and the server said, "Sorry, I can't or I won't." The problem for you is the same. I needed X and I didn't get it. So this is a failure to me. Therefore, I will reject the promise. Yeah. Okay. So I was I was trying to get to that distinction because, you know, in your example, having it just default to, you know, X city was mm. fine under either condition. But if, yes. for example, uh, I was writing something that was querying a database for your social security number and then replying with your medical records, I wouldn't want to have a default of, you know, Bob Smith or something. Right? <laughs> I, w- yes. I would want two different answers to that based on rejection versus uh, versus a failed resolution. Yeah, actually, yes. And in that example where you're looking up, say, my medical history, you would respond with system error. Please try again later for the rejected as in I failed. And I'm sorry, I don't know who you are for a successful. Sorry, I can't help you. A resolved. I can't help you. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yes. Okay. You know, not successful. A failed resolve. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And so good. Every time That's... you use dot then to chain a promise together, you have the power. You have the power to decide that success becomes failure or that failure becomes success, which is what we did by defaulting the city, right? So it failed. We didn't get an answer we wanted, but hey, we'll just default instead. You know, so we've turned failure into success. Right. So if, if we have that from power and we should use it as is appropriate and every situation will be different. Okay. All right. Okay. So in my case, I made my own life a little bit easy because I thought ahead. So my solution already used mustache templates. So that bit of the homework, I just got to skip. Of course, you will find my full solution complete with all of its twirly mustaches in the zip file in the wonderfully named folder... Uh, PBS 79 challenge solution. No, 79? 80. 80. 
Yeah, wrong number, sorry. Yeah, we're at 81 now. Uh, so what I needed to worry about to do the homework was the the bit that was new. Turning our $.ajax with no promises into a $.ajax that's all about the promises. So in my case, everything that needs to change is contained within one function, which I named reset game. So let's look at how that function hangs together before we touch anything. So I've used some comments to collapse the function down to its structure so that we can see its structure without getting lost in a soup of code. Good, 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 good. So the function starts by just setting a little flag to say that we're not playing the game anymore. We're in the middle of redrawing it. So game on equals false, becomes equal to false. We then have some code for doing some UI stuff. We blank and hide the modal. We set the UI to being a spinner and we empty our little arrays you know, holding how many guesses you've made and all that kind of stuff. We basically, we clean up after the last game, right? So that's all just housekeeping. And then the important bit is we go fetch a new random number using Ajax. So we say $.Ajax, we have some glop I've removed, URLs, all that kind of stuff. And then the important thing from our point of view is we use the success callback to store the random number. We then blank our guesses and we then reinitialize the game's UI and then we say game on equal, becomes equal to true and then we have an error callback where we show an error so that's the structure if success wait we minute, start a new game if hang failure on, we show stop. an error stop. wait okay so I see we've got function uh, in the then we've got the function Sorry. rn wait wait there's no then okay I must be in a completely wrong spot in the in the so PBS eighty challenge solution first code sample. No, I'm I'm looking at the show notes. Did I not be looking at yes. the show notes? Yeah, no, I'm in the show okay. notes. So in the show notes, there's a section that starts PBS eighty challenge solution. Yes. And then the first block of code is the pseudocode I'm describing, and it definitely doesn't have the word then in it. Okay, I thought you had jumped down because you started describing emptying the rays and all that, and that housekeeping. That's all down in a later section. Of the show no, notes. everything I described I was literally reading my comments. Hmm. Okay, I don't see it <laughs> in in that first section of code under PBS Challenge Solution. It says function reset game game on equals false. Mm-hmm. Um, fetch a random number via AJAX success function mm-hmm. random number reset game game on true error fun- error error function. Yeah, that's so what that's what I just, just said. Okay. The key point, I must have been reading the more the more Cody version of the same thing. Okay, it sounds like if you see the word then, you've skipped ahead to how we changed it because there's no right. We're this okay. is how it worked before promises. This is an unpromised version, right? Okay, okay, we haven't walked through all this. Okay, I'm, right. I'm saying before right, I'm, I start, before I change anything, this is a reminder of how it works when we don't have promises. Gotcha. Right, so we have a success callback where we start our game, and we have an error callback where we show an error. And the the output from dollar Ajax goes nowhere. Line twelve right. has no becomes equal to. Right, 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 right. Instead, we have these two callbacks doing the work. So the first thing we need to do is right dollar Ajax returns a promise. So we shouldn't throw it away. We should capture that promise. So the first thing I do is I give it a name, const rand num promise becomes equal to and then all that ajax glop which i have replaced with dot 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 no longer throwing it away yes so we now have a promise so in order to make a promise do something we use dot then to respond so we take literally copy and paste the code from the success callback into the first argument to the dot then which is what happens when it resolves and we copy and paste, and I literally do mean copy and paste. I did not change a single character, apart from the indentation. Um, the stuff from the error callback into the second argument to $.then, which is what to do when the promise rejects. Okay. Simple enough. Yes. Now, at this point in time, we have some duplication because I haven't yet deleted success and error. So go ahead and mentally delete those. And so <laughs> now we have... An- Right, we now have a variable 
called random unpromise, and then we take that variable and we call dot then. But of course, in the real world, we wouldn't bother doing that over two lines. We can do it all in one by saying $.ajax blah, 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 dot then. Callback, you know, function, function. Okay. So when I put all that together and replace all those copy and paste comments with the real code, we then get to the final solution. Sorry, that sounds more negative than it should. Um, the answer. <laughs> okay. So our reset game function starts by doing the housekeeping, right? So game on becomes equal to false. We hide the modal dialog. We empty its content. We we basically clean up our UI so that it now has a spinner. Uh, we clean up the bit where we say how many guesses you've made. Um, we we empty out uh, the, the the container for the messages. Basically, just cleaning up our UI so that we, we don't have any leftovers. So it doesn't say on the middle of the, the screen, you know, you've guessed these five numbers when the thing is reloading. That looks silly. We then do our random number fetching. So $.ajax, we give it a URL. We give it our data. So the minimum and the maximum. We say to use get. We tell it not to cache because otherwise our random numbers are not quite so random. Uh, <laughs> And we say that we wanted to treat the answer from the server as text, so data type text. By the way, and that's all. This might completely derail you for me to tell you Go this, on. but I specifically changed the cache to true because the way Ooh. my game was structured, if I let it be false every time they push the button, they got a different answer. So I cache it, and I think it has to do with the structure of the way I put my code together. But I have to have that be cached. To hold the answer still. Okay, well then you're you're asking for a random number too often because you should only ask for a random number when they start a game, not every time they guess. That would make sense. That that would. So be you're right. That is why a mine has to be done that way. Structure, code structure. Yes, some okay. refactoring. Okay. I believe is the fancy pants term. Yep, not going to do it. It works. Fair enough. Never touching it again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So that's actually all that has to go to $.ajax because we're making use of the fact that it's returning us a promise. So how to respond is not in the call to $.ajax anymore. It's just what we want. And then we say dot .then, and that's where we just figure out what we want to do with what we got back. So the first function here is what to do when everything goes well. So we save the answer we got from the server. So random underscore number becomes equal to the name I gave the first argument, which is or n for random number. So I gave it that name on line 25. Then I set my array of guesses you've made so far to be the empty array. I say the minimum possible correct guess is the minimum possible number that my program allows and the maximum possible guess is the maximum number my program allows. Because I didn't hard code them to 0 and 100. I sort of saved them as variables because hard coding makes me, I don't know, it scares me. Or rather, it's a bad smell. Um, Then I call my function that just draws all the, you know, my 100 buttons. Because, of course, you just have one input box. I have 100 buttons. So I put those in a separate function, the draw me 100 buttons, please. And then I say, yep, game on equals true. So it becomes equal to true. So the game is now on. So that is literally exactly what used to be in my success callback. Okay. And then my error callback says, empty the game interface, call mustache.render with my error template. So and is that this will show one promise a... or two? Pardon? You said, a promise, you said a promise always makes another promise. So is this two promises or one? A promise always makes another promise. You said something like that last week that I was left a little bit baffled on. But No, when you're chaining promises, you, you're, you're always talking about two, right? When you're making a chain, at every link in the chain, there's one to the left and one to the right. Oh, okay. So there, there's no chain here when it's just one. Yeah, so we have a promise, which we then react to. Okay, good. That's what, that's what I wanted the answer to be. Excellent. Well, then, <laughs> congratulations. The answer is what you thought. So really, when you take one asynchronous task and you change it from the old way to the new way, it's just a matter of slightly reorganizing the code. So in this case, we have a promise. We haven't we haven't looked at the complexity of doing multiple things, right? This is a promise, and it's not a big rewrite, which is nice. 
So, of course, the homework for next time is going to involve, you know, the next logical step. Well, we now have one promise. Next time, let's do more. But let's not jump ahead of ourselves. So, let us have a look at JavaScript's native promise class. Promise with a capital P. So, we already... Well, okay. We've already mentioned that there are lots of different implementations of the concept of the promise. It it existed before it was formally rolled into the language through third-party libraries like uh, Bluebird, and there was a bunch of them. And what made them all the same is that they all used dot then, so we named this vague grouping of different ways of doing promises thenables. But if you'll excuse the word of the use then yet again, then at some point, JavaScript decided to make it official. So it's a bit like the fact that the community invented hashtags and then Twitter took it on formally. Well, the community made promises and then JavaScript went, okay, fine, let's do an official version. And that official version is the class promise with a capital P. Hmm. Okay. So as I already mentioned, one the main use for promise with a capital P is that you can use it to make promises. But that's not of interest to us because we're users of APIs, right? We use jQuery. We don't create jQuery. We use jQuery. So we use promises, but we don't make them. So the fact that you can say, my promise becomes equal to new promise, that's not where we're going. You can do that. And if you're very curious, the the sample code from today contains such a function, but we're not going to look at it. I'm just going to tell you that what the function does. We're not going to look at it. But if you want to, it's there. What we're interested in is the fact that when JavaScript made an official version of the promise, they also created some utilities, some helper functions, and they added those to the promise class as functions that are part of the promise class. So promise dot something. And we're interested in the promise dot something today. So the first two are spectacularly simplistic. They're so simplistic that you're probably going to, to, to be finding a way to make this seem complicated. And you're going to assume it can't be as simple as I'm saying it is. No, no, really. This is stupendously simplistic. I did look at the scroll bar and it's not very small, so good? Yeah, yeah, exactly. There's not there's only three functions here, and the first two of them are stupendously simplistic. Good. So some there are times, and I'll give a few examples, but there are times when you actually want you know the answer, but the API you're using for whatever reason wants a promise. You say, but I know the answer. Yeah, but I will only accept a promise, so I'll throw a type error. How can I take a result and make it into an instantly resolved promise? Well, promise with a capital P dot resolved, and you pass it as an only argument, the value you want to be promised. That will make a promise that resolves to the value immediately. You now have a promise. So, so if the API wanted a promise, a... hey presto, here's a promise. Why would something have to have a promise? Well, Whoever writes an API chooses what's acceptable input and output. Oh, okay. Okay. So Another time you might, might want... be seven, but you need a promise that says it's seven? Exactly. So you just say promised my, you know, var promised seven becomes equal to promised promise.resolved seven. Hey, Presto, you now have a promise of seven. Okay. Another place you might actually find it useful is if you're, if you have a promise chain... And at some point, maybe at the start of the chain or the end of the chain or something, you you need you say that, you know, if one thing happens, just inject this into the chain. Well, a chain of promises needs promises all the way down. So it might actually be useful in a chain to start off with a pre-made promise, maybe a default value or something. It happens. I have used promise.resolved multiple times in a year. Not every day, not every week, but I have needed it. And it's really straightforward. I need a promise? Okay, have a promise. The other kind of promise you might need is basically you already have an error, but your function wants a promise that rejects. Fine. Promise.rejected. Pass it as the only argument, the error you want it to reject with. Hmm. So they're nice and symmetrical. 
Capital P promise dot resolved with the value you wanted to resolve to. Promise with a capital P rejected with the error you wanted to reject with. Hey presto, insta promise. You're right. Just There's pop simple. it in your back pocket. Basically, if you ever find yourself saying that, oh, but the documentation says I must have a promise, and I already know what I want, here's how to square the circle. That's that's all there is to this. Okay. Now we come to the meat of today's episode. One function, but it's basically everything else we're going to talk about today. So I'm going to start by taking a little step back so we can move forward in a sensible way. So the first thing I'm going to say to you is in the zip file, you're going to find a file called pbs81a.html. So if you could pop that open in, say, Code Runner would be a good place to go so you can see the code and the output. Uh, this doesn't oh. need to be running inside your web server because we're not relying on PHP this week or anything like that. So this can just be in Code Runner as, as a plain okay. file. All right. I have it up. So you should see... Um, two columns. The first column has a bunch of demo headers, some text, and some buttons. And then we have an output area in the second column. So each of these demos, we're going to meet one by one as we go through our examples, and we're going to push the button to make the demo go, and the demo is going to create some output in the output area. When we look at our code snippets, the way the output gets to the output area is by a function I have written, which is included in that HTML file, called output message. So in the code snippets, when you see output message some string, the result is going to be that that string appears in a little box in the output area. Okay? Okay. And then the second utility function I have created, and we're not going to look at how I created it because it doesn't matter. I'm just going to tell you what it does. So think of this like an API. I have made a function called random promise. Random promise will return to you a promise that will resolve sometime. At least one second from now, at most 10 seconds from now, exactly how long is random. Hence the name random promise. Okay. When it resolves, it will resolve with the number of seconds it took. So if it randomly chooses to be five seconds until it gets back to you, it will resolve with five. If it randomly took seven, it will resolve with seven. Does that make sense? Yep. Also, to keep life easy, my promises always resolve because I'm as good as my word. (laughs) I actually like that this exists because I I was trying to think of how to have a promise that I could really tell whether it wasn't done yet. You know, it, it, you sort of need a test case to make something not be synchronous. Yeah. But if it, if it works immediately, not, both you and I have really fast internets, then there's no way to test to see if it would break if it was uh, asynchronous. Well, you can copy and paste the random promise function and stick it in wherever you want it. You'll notice if you go to copy and paste it, it's nice and short. Cool. You might even make a text expander snippet out of it. So yeah, it's 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 a very simplistic promise. It just it's always going to be at least a second in the making, at most ten seconds, and it'll tell you how long it took. As in, it will resolve to how long it took. So with that under our belt, let's get let's start by going backwards. <laughs> so by default, we're going right back to our first day with promises. But by default, promises are completely in parallel with each other. As soon as you say to a pro- as soon as you create a promise. It starts to execute, and if you create three of them in a row, those three of them will all be executing at the same time, and they won't wait on each other to finish. They're just going to happen in parallel, and when they finish, they finish. So they're utterly unrelated to each other and running in parallel. So the first demo button creates three random promises, one after the other, and you can see that they'll all start to sit together, and then they'll randomly resolve. So the code, the click handler for demo button one, says output message starting promise one. And then it says random promise dot then output message promise one resolved in whatever amount of seconds it was. And then we do exactly the same thing. We say starting promise two. And then we call random promise and we give it a dot then that says output message promise two resolved. And then we say output message starting promise three Random promise dot then output message promise three resolved. Is that 
sensible or do you want me to dig in a little I, deeper? I think it's sensible. Um, I'm running the demo and it's confusing me though. Okay, so when you click go, what should happen is line two says print me a message that says starting promise one. Line three will then create the random promise and using dot then we're saying whenever this promise finishes, I would like you to write promise one resolved. So that promise starts, but... Can I tell you what's confusing me before you tell me why? (laughs) Because I said what it was. Is uh, when I press the demo button, it says starting promise one, starting promise two, starting promise three. Then it starts different messages that talk about the promise and how long they took. Yes. That is the expected behavior. So why is that the expected behavior? Yeah, I I don't know what you're trying to teach us. Well, we're starting three promises, and we don't know how long they're going to take to resolve. And when they resolve, we'll know they resolve because they'll write their output. So we can see in real time what's happening with these promises. Okay. So on line three, we make a promise. And on line six, we make a promise. And on line 10, we make a promise. I just figured It, it out. It's the first three just say when they started. Yes. I didn't, I didn't catch I didn't catch that it said started. I thought it was just changing what it was saying. Never mind. I'm caught up. Okay. Okay. So the three of them start together and they're all running in parallel. So what you would expect to see is starting, 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 and then at some random time between one and ten seconds, each of them will come back. And each time you run this demo, you should see a different order. Yes. Got it. Got it. So in my case, I get starting... Okay, so promise two was quick. It came back in one second. Promise three was three seconds. And then promise two finally came back in... Sorry, promise two came in one. Promise three came in three. And promise one came in five. I got lucky. And every time it'll be different. So there's a clear button if you want to make the output less confusing. Yep. So the order they resolve in is completely random. And they're all happening at the same time, and there's no relationship between them. They're completely unrelated and often parallel with each other. Are you right. happy that those two are Completely true things? Completely makes sense. Yes. Yeah. I'm with so that's the default behavior. Complete parallelism, no relationship. Right. What we learned last time was that, well, actually, sometimes we need to wait for the answer from one because it's actually the input to the other. I can't tell you what the weather is in your city until I know what your city is. So I can't have these promises in parallel. That makes no sense. So I need the ability to say, do this, and however long that takes, when that finally finishes, then do that. And that's what a promise chain gives us. So it gives us promise one leading into promise two, leading into promise three. So they're 100% in series with each other. One, then the other, then the other. Yeah. Makes sense. And so the click handler for button two outputs starting promise one, and then we say random promise dot then. And inside our then, we output promise one resolves because that's what happened. You know, the then function executes when the promise resolves. And then inside that then function, we say output message starting promise two, and then we return random promise. So the output from our first promise resolving is a new promise. We then say dot then again. So the next link in our chain, we hang say on, promise. Hang on. Hang on. Uh, so I don't completely follow that last little bit. So we've got random promise dot then, and we mm-hmm. do this promise one is resolved, but then we return random promise. What What is random promise now? So random promises make every time you call random promise you get a new promise. So random promises now we now have a fresh new promise. Which is the second I I promise in our chain. I don't know what random promise is. Where okay, so you... random promise is my function I have written, which oh, I told which I told at. you creates a new promise that will randomly resolve. Sorry. Thank you. Back with Okay. You. Okay, so we're caught up again. So we make a random promise, and when it resolves, we say it's resolved, then we make another random promise. And then when it resolves, we say it resolves, and then we make another random promise. And then when it resolves, we say it resolved. Right. So this time, it's not they're off in parallel. It's one, do, 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 and then the other one, and then the other one. So if we click go on promise two, or on demo two, you should see 
Starting promise one and then a random amount of time and maybe I should have picked the number smaller than ten because I oh there we go. <laughs> promise one resolved in five seconds. Starting promise two. Promise two resolved in four seconds. Starting promise three. And this one's gonna be longer than four seconds, isn't it? I got lucky. Mine were short. And nine whole seconds for me. Okay. So it's one, then the other. Then the other. So this is chaining, like we learned about last time. So we now you have... You had fun doing this, didn't you? <laughs> I did have fun doing this, yes. <laughs> so we now have the two extremes. Everything in parallel, no relationship whatsoever. And everything in series, no parallelism whatsoever. And they're both useful, but the real world is usually a mixture of these two ideas. Mm. So a really good real-world example where you need to mix series and parallel is a UI that requires templates and views before it can be rendered. So let's say that you have some little web app you're writing that has three templates and it needs two pieces of data over Ajax. So that's five things to go fetch. Those five can be fetched in parallel but you can't render your UI until you have all five done. So you right. can do five in parallel, but the last thing has to happen in series. But in series to all of them, not in series to one of them. Right. So at the moment, given what we know so far, we only have one way we can do this without new knowledge. We would have to chain them. So get the first template wait for that to finish, then get the second template, then start getting the third template. Now, when it gets back, then start getting the first piece of data. And then when it gets back, then start getting the second piece of data. And then when you have all five things, finally draw your UI. Now, your web browser is perfectly capable of doing two things at once. It is perfectly capable of getting three templates and two pieces of data at the same time. So this is really inefficient to have them happen one, then the other, then the other. But we need to have some sort of way of saying, when you've done all those five things, then in series after that, do something else. And we don't know how to do that yet. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the problem to be solved is how to, how to wait for all, in this case, five, but in the abstract, N promises to resolve and then do something. And this is where the promise with a capital P utilities come to our rescue. It provides a function with the wonderful name promise.all. So promise.all takes as an argument an array of promises. And it returns one promise. So it takes as an input many promises. And it returns as an output, one promise. So it's like dot then, promise in, promise out. You know, it's, it's part of a chain. But in this case, it's like a chain that has, I don't know, maybe look at it like a keyring. You have lots of things on one side and then it clips onto your belt at the other. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know if that's helping or not, but, you know, it's a chain where you have lots of things coming in and one thing coming out. Now, okay. the important thing is how that thing coming out behaves. So... The resulting promise, the output, the chained promise from promise.all will not resolve until all the inputs have resolved. Hmm. So, so just, if there's five inputs... You just in one I'll, after another without any kind of dependencies, but then you, for the promise.all, you say, uh, when you've got all this crap, then you're allowed to do the next thing. Exactly. So the five hmm. of them are happening in parallel, and the promise.all says, wait until they've all finished. Okay. And then when they've all finished, promise that all will resolve. And what it resolves with is an array. And inside the array, you will find the answer for the first promise, followed by the answer for the second promise, followed mm. by the answer for the third promise. So an array of promises in, and it resolves to an array of answers. Which is brilliant. Interesting. So then so what, all, if, what if two of those were dependent on each other? Then you like, wouldn't use promise at all. You'd have those two in a chain. And then right. you'd pass the output of the chain as the input to one of you your... Promise, or to promise, promise at all. Or, okay. Yeah. Okay. So you can build very complex promise chains by combining the, dot then and promise.all. 
Yeah. Now, when all goes to plan, that's how it behaves. I wait for all of the promises to succeed, and then I resolve the new promise I created for you with all of the answers as an array. What happens if something goes wrong? Mm -hmm. If any one promise rejects, promise that all rejects immediately with that error. With what do you mean that error? So the okay, so you error? have five promises. The moment one of those five rejects, then the error that one rejected with immediately okay. triggers the the change promise to reject with the same error. Okay. And that's actually what you want because you needed all of them to work. So if any one fails, you cannot continue. You have a problem, right? I need three templates and two pieces of data. I can't have that error. But if so you it's actually error, fine that it behaves like, like that. Like it didn't find your city and you said, but go ahead and turn it into this default city. Would it Okay, stop? but then it wouldn't have failed because what you passed it in would be the outcome of that chain. So you would have passed as your input to promise that all get the city dot then do the default. So the promise that goes into promise at all would be the result of here's your default instead. Okay, so you've you've been meaning to say the word rejected, not error. Because you can have an error. Okay, turn- yes. No, you're, you're, you're absolutely okay. correct. Yes, I should have been more careful with my wording. Yes. Okay. So okay. Re- yes. All right. If gotcha. a promise rejects, then promise... So if one of the input promises rejects, then the, the chained promise that is returned by promise at all will reject gotcha okay good so it behaves basically very sensibly so in our hypothetical scenario where we wanted three templates and two pieces of data our our code would look something like the pseudo code here from the show notes so const tpl1 promise becomes equal to dollar that ajax yada 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 const tpl2 promise becomes equal to dollar that ajax yada 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 Three becomes equal to dollar ajax yada yada yada. Data promise one becomes equal to dollar ajax yada yada, and data two promise becomes equal to dollar ajax yada yada yada. So you now have five promises sitting in five variables named TPL one promise, TPL two promise, etc. Mm-hmm. You would then say const all TPL and data promise. So in other words, a promise for everything becomes equal to promise dot all which is passed an array containing TPL1 promise, TPL2 promise, TPL3 promise, data1 promise, and data2 promise. And then we can say, all TPL and data promise dot then, if it succeeds, render the UI. If it rejects, render an error. Okay. So that is the structure that we can use promise at all to achieve our goal. Now, you don't have to create separate variables for each one. You can smush it all together by saying promise.all and then create the $.ajaxes inside promise.all. It's exactly the same code. We're just not doing it as separate variables. I would suggest that until you're very comfortable, be explicit. But if you start to find yourself going, yeah, I know what's going on here. I don't need to make all these variables then you have the second approach is collapse it all into one giant big statement. I am not going to tell you which is best. What's best is what makes sense in your brain. These are both equivalent to each other and both correct. Okay. I know when we were talking before the show started about um, some of my confusion with the mustache templates was you showed us how to do it in a bunch in three separate pieces, but you also showed it to us all strung together. And so I thought I was supposed to do it the all strung together way. And I think that made it harder for me before I get the hang of it. Yeah. So the reason I show you both is because in the real world, you're going to see both. Which you choose to write is going to evolve over time. So I wanted to be like the cool kids and shove it all into one and then got myself all confused. I generally would do that too. But the thing is, as soon as that stopped working, I would break it down again. Debug it and then maybe reassemble it when all the pieces work. Yeah, yeah. Um, Or I might write the code the long way, get it to work, and then refactor it into the short way so it's easier to, so it takes up less space. Mm, Okay. And which you choose to do is going to really evolve with time. So when I'm learning a new technology, I will be stupidly verbose. I will use lots of variables, break it into lots of small little pieces and throw comments like they're going out of fashion. 
And then a month later, when I'm completely au fait with this new API, I'll just do it the short way. Okay. And I think it's important to see both because the simple fact is when you go to the Googles and you look for help, you're more likely to see the short collapsed way than the long explicit way. Makes sense, yeah. Okay. So we have a final button there called Demo 3. So what does Demo 3 do? I pushed it already. (laughs) So Demo 3 is going to create three promises and then promise that all of them and then create a fourth promise that will resolve when they've all resolved. So we say output message starting promise one const p1 becomes equal to random promise dot then output message promise one resolved in so many seconds. And because we want the output to be able available to us again, we return it because it's going to be part of a promise chain now. So the return s is very important because otherwise when promise that all resolves, there'll be nothing left. Right, right. We then have a shockingly similar starting promise two const p2 becomes equal to random promise dot then output message promise two resolved in blah sec return the amount of seconds. And then we have the same thing again for promise three. Then we say output message starting promise dot all with promises one, two, three. And then we say promise dot all and we pass it the array p1, p2, p3. And then we say dot then output message promise that all resolved. The three original promises resolved in, and then we output the first element of the array, the second element of the array, and the third element of the array. Oh, so that so even though you called the re- the return value from all three was s, those went into an array. Yes, because promised at all, how else is it going to give us three answers, right? So we gave it three things to go fetch and now has three answers for us. And the way it gives us the three mm-hmm. answers is to give us an array. Okay. So if we give um, promised at all five promises, it will give us an array of five answers. If we give promised at all, you know, two promises, it will give us an array of two answers. Hey, Bart? Yes? How did it know that if P1, P, P2, and P3 are happening at different times, how did it not put the result of P3 into ah. step into position zero? Because it's clever. The answers will be in the same order as the question. So if you put P1 as the first element in the input array, then whatever P1 resolves to, whenever it happens, will be the first element in the Again, input. Back, back up, back up. I don't know what question you're talking about. Okay. Promise at all takes as an input an array of promises. Mm-hmm. And it gives you as an output an array of answers. Mm-hmm. The order of the output array is not determined by the order they resolve in. It's determined by the order the promises were in on the input. Okay. Okay. Good Which thing. Is otherwise you wouldn't have darn good thing. what was going darn on. Darn good <laughs> thing. Because otherwise you'd have randomness making your head explode. Yeah. Yes, and that's a very perceptive question, and I'm glad you asked it, because I might have skipped over my paragraph where I did say that, but it's much better to be asked. <laughs> okay, good. So let this us sort of set off sense, demo three. Bart. Okay. Pardon? I-, I said this made sense. Good. So if we <laughs> click off demo three, we should say starting promise one, starting promise two, starting promise three, starting promise at all, and then they should randomly resolve. So in my case, promise three took one second, promise two took four seconds, and promise one was a laggard at eight seconds. And then only after the last promise resolved, which in my case was promise one, then I see promise at all resolved, the three original promises resolved in eight seconds, four seconds, and one second. Yep. Mine worked too. Got it. I pushed yeah. the button and it worked. <laughs> yeah. So basically, we have now demonstrated the ability to have things happening in parallel and then being recollapsed into one to happen in series. And in theory, we could expand out again into parallel and we could combine these to make the most complicated chains on the planet. The sky is the limit. But using dot then and promise that all, you can have. Any shape of chain you can draw in a diagram, you can make using those two functions. Yeah. Cool. I would suggest to you that if your chain is too complicated to describe, you need to have another we think. What do you mean? Because you can go to infinity here, but maybe try not to go mad. (laughs) 
Okay, that's it for today. That's yeah. all of our new stuff. So the challenge I'm going to set you is using your game or mine. I would like you to use promise.all so that the first thing that happens when the page loads is all of the mustache templates are fetched. So instead of having the mustache templates in your HTML file with script tags, put them in a separate file Hmm. and then use $.ajax to fetch them and use promise.all to wait until they've all come back and only when they've all come back, start your game. So I can tell you for sure that I'm going to have a problem and it has nothing to do with anything I've talked to you about today during the show or otherwise is I haven't been able, I, I, I got a little script that uh, will help you create a last modified date to put onto your file so that I could right. see which which version I was looking at. But I'm getting that thing where it's bad because I'm trying to look locally and trying to do an external request at the same time and I get that error that I think you talked about briefly on the show. But since we're doing a fetch out to an Ajax call out to your server, and no, 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 you shouldn't be going out to my server. You should be going out just to the file right next to you in the file no, system. No, 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 no. We still have to go to your server to get the random number. And oh I yes, okay. So yes, so for this game, you're going to have to use your um, your map. Yeah, I am running map, and I get that error. So I may have to show you that on the side, but I, yeah. I. It, you I may do because it definitely origin. should work because it does work. Okay. Because I'm definitely getting the cross origin thing. I finally commented it out because I got tired of looking at the error. I knew what it was, but I don't know how to make it not yell at me because I'm trying to get something that's local to my drive and I'm trying to talk to yours and it's cranky. I wonder which of the two is making it cranky. It's the, the one looking locally. Okay, then the, the one looking local probably needs this. This probably something subtly. Anyway, yeah, we'll have a look at okay. it offline because this okay. makes terrible radio. <laughs> okay, I just want to tell you, I, I'll, I'll be having a problem with something altogether new from everything else that's confused me. But uh. that's fine. Um, All right, not this evening though, because it's five minutes to no. one in the morning. But yes, we will. Well, we will do so before the, the, the homework is due. We have plenty right. of time. Okay, so that's the challenge. So let's wrap things up for today. Uh, so I want to whet your appetite. We have one more, we have one more piece of newness to learn about promises, and then we're actually done learning. For now, we're done with promises. I'm not going to teach you how to make your own promises because I think that I think it's too early. I want you to become completely used to using promises before we even dream of making our own. So where we fair. where we stand right now is. We have learned how to create, how, how to use promises given to us by things like Ajax and to either have complete parallelism or complete serialization or a combination of the two. So we now have really good control over asynchronous tasks. Do these five things together, and when all of those are done, do this, and then go off and do those four things in parallel, and then when all four of those are done, do this final thing over here. We now have the ability to describe any combination we want of do these things at the same time and then wait till all of those are finished and then do this other thing. And then when that's done, do these other four. You know, we have the ability to define any structure we like now between dot then and promise dot all. Is that fair to say? Oops, sorry, mute switch was on. Yes. Yes. So what we have now is Everything that came to... Well, not every... Okay, everything is the wrong word. We have almost everything that we skipped. I intentionally skipped over one function in Promise with a capital P called Promise.Race because it is universally agreed to be stupid. I don't want to... I don't want to go into why, but basically when they wrote the API, they were asleep at the wheel and they made a dumb, dumb error, so the function is useless. So if we just Therefore, I'm not going to tell you way of be changed. It's ba- it's basically now baked in, so if they change it, they break stuff with backwards compatibility and stuff. So they're gonna have to make Ooh. up a new name, I guess, if they ever want to make a proper race function. It's anyway, that's the. Are you saying go race or e-race? Race or ACE. Okay, all right. I won't ask anymore. I promise. Yeah, it's it's not particularly useful. I it's, it's no one seems to miss it, but it's in the API. So if you have something that auto completes code, and you type promise with a capital P dot. 
your console is going to offer you promise.all and promise.rejected and promise.resolved and promise.race. <laughs> Don't touch it. Don't touch promise.race. That's, that's really okay. where we want to get to. All right. Um, so where we have arrived is JavaScript's first implementation of promises as part of the core language, which was released as part of ES 2015. So we are now a five, four years in the past. JavaScript hasn't stood still in those four years. In fact, they did a big upgrade to promises in ES 2017. So Two years ago, JavaScript developed some new promise powers. And those promise powers gave JavaScript two new keywords that didn't exist before 2017. The keyword async and the keyword await. And async and await don't allow us to do anything we can't do already. What it allows us to do is to use promises in a way that makes for easier to read code. So dot then and promise dot all does exactly the same thing as what we can do with async await. But with async await, we can write our code in a more human-friendly way so that it's easier to read, easier to fix when you come back to it six months later and are trying to remember what the hell it does. <laughs> and it doesn't matter. They're interchangeable. So sometimes you can keep using dot then if it works for you, but you can use async and await. So what we're going to do next time is we're going to meet our two new friends, async and await. Personally, in my real world, actually writing code for a living hat on, I very rarely use dot then anymore. And I pretty much always use async await because it's just nicer. So why did you teach us dot then? Why didn't we get to just go to async and await? Because... If you don't understand what promises are doing, then async await looks like black magic. Oh, okay. Because all they're okay. doing is they're, they're actually doing promises. But they do it with such a short syntax that it doesn't look like a promise. And if you don't know it's doing promises, it's just voodoo. It's nonsensical voodoo is what it is. Like, if you try to learn async await without knowing promises... It, the universe will make no sense. I, I'm sort of reminded of like, you know, on Stargate, they pick up a rock and it turns out to be a really smart computer and they can't make head nor tail of it because they just don't have the tech. Async await without promises is like that. Huh. So we're now ready for the power. Okay. We, we, have, we, we have earned the right to do things the easy way. <laughs> okay, that's good. So it's like no so anyway, way the calculator I, does. Yeah, so I, I hope I have whetted your appetite for next time yes i barely next, got to that? know then and then it's over <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can keep using it right the thing is you this is and not or okay so you you will be able to use dot then whenever it makes sense to you whenever you think your code is easier to understand with dot then use dot then whenever you think your code will be easier to read with async await use async await it's not either or you don't have to choose you don't you don't have to do one thing or the other you simply have the choice to do whatever results in the most sane least head wrecking code and remember okay. it's all it's all a present to future you <laughs> all of it i like it I like and, it. you know, so I work in education, right? And so we have a very strong annual cycle because we're not allowed to touch anything while the students are here. And then they do their summer exams and they either pass or fail and then they sod off for a few weeks and then they come back to do their repeat exams if they failed. The only time we're allowed to touch anything is in that short gap between you've finished your summer exams and you haven't come back to repeat yet. Which means all of the code I'm working on at this time of year, I haven't looked at since last August. Oh. So I am right now future me. And I'm very thankful that last year's me left a lot of comments <laughs> and used an awful lot of async await. Because present me is very happy to find the code easier to read. I bet. I bet. Yeah. Well, Good. Okay, well, we shall draw a line under it, so all that remains to be said is until next time, happy computing.
If you learn as much from BART each week as I do, I'd like you to go over to lets-talk.ie and press one of the buttons over there to help support him. He does 98% of the work here. I'm just the stooge that listens to him and asks the dumb questions. If you go over to lets-talk.ie, you can support him on Patreon, you can donate via PayPal, or you can use one of his referral links. I really hope you'll go over and help him out. In the meantime, you can contact me at Podfeet or check out all of the shows we do over there over at podfeet.com. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.